0: Stephanie Coxon and I'm Kathy Anderson Martin and we are two women influencing real life. so let's twirl. You shall hear hear of wars and rumors of wars but be not troubled. Here we are listening or looking at Matthew and we're hearing rumors about masks and masks coming back. That's not good. Some thank you Kathy. Some hospitals have already already implemented it And the rumor continues that flights soon will, too. We have to stand together. We have to be brave. We have to be informed. I'm Stephanie Coxon, and I'm Kathy Anderson Martin, and we are two women inspiring real lives. So let's twirl. You know, I'm super excited, Kathy, about today's guests um, because, first of all, I'm huge in medical freedom. And these girls actually got into medical freedom before I did, which is usually pretty rare when I'm talking to someone. And, um, you know, it's a passion of mine. But it was because of their statistics that I literally chased down a lady in Boca Raton as she after she chased. Well, she didn't. She asked her. She approached me, telling me to mask me myself and my kids. Uh, Okay, so she was chasing you. Well, she approached me three times. Okay. And then I, I chased approached her. Approached me. If anyone could see, I'm doing air quotes. Approached yes. me. Okay. Yes. She probably chased you down. But and, go on. And it was because of these girls that I literally had data. I'm like, let me show you what so, what's going on. A woman's chasing you in Boca
1: Raton yeah. and used their data to um, confront her. And, and did that stop her?
0: Um, she did run away. Okay. Yeah, she did because run away. It, it, maskless. And yes, yeah, so yeah, okay. me and my kids were maskless. But, it was actually the first time I've ever you chased were someone. yelling data at her. Yes. Okay. And is the first time I ever chased someone down. Because well. I think that's because I was with my kids. So let me introduce you guys. Um, We have got Kristen Megan with us who is in the field of occupational and environmental toxicology um her career spans different roles like public health management of decontamination sites handling hazardous materials and emergency response um she is a big part of um being part of healthcare professionals and making sure that precautions are in place to prevent cross contaminations and believes the mandates to be unethical and hazardous to public health. And I can't wait to find out. Um, An incredibly impressive bio
1: with so much more that we could share, but just a a wonderfully, knowledgeable
0: guests. So and it's yeah, great we're, to have her here. Yes. And then we also have Tammy Clark, who's also really highly credentialed as well. She's actually a court approved subject matter expert and um, expert witness with a BS in business and construction safety. And again, she's also credentialed with OSHA EPA, um, Department of Transportation. She too has worked in a lot of industries, manufacturing, food service, construction, commercial agriculture to hospital systems. You know, I think both of these these girls are going to teach us a lot about what went wrong during COVID. And I cannot wait to hear their take on the surgeon general and what's happening um, with him as well. Absolutely. So I want to invite both of them on so happy to have you both here with us today.
2: Well, thank you for having us.
0: Yeah.
1: Thank
3: you. It's great to be with you.
0: So you guys are really at the beginning of this thing. So when did you guys start to realize something was off? Well,
2: for me, I knew something was off the moment that they started pushing masks on the average layperson, because at the time we were still unsure if this was spread via fomite transmission through droplets or if it was airborne. But I know we do not push masks on the general public because they're considered a medical device, even though they're not personal protective equipment, there are massive health issues that can prevent someone from wearing them. And they are definitely not for children. So that was the red flag for me.
3: Yeah. And it was very similar for me. Um, In fact, I was watching very closely during the first, you know, two weeks when nobody really knew what was going on. Uh, Everybody was kind of freaking out and I was listening very closely to how the public health experts were responding. And when they were saying, if you remember initially, initially Dr. Fauci and all of the public health professionals, the CDC, everybody was saying there's no reason to put people in masks. Even Dr. Jerome Adams was saying there's no reason for healthy people to wear masks, you know, masks might make people feel a little bit better, air quote, Dr. Anthony Fauci. (laughs) But they really do little to nothing to provide, you know, the perfect protection. And I'm quoting him word for word there. So I, I felt good about that at the time because they were right. Well, then very quickly within, I would say, three weeks, we all started getting this COVID fatigue, like we were over it, right? Okay, it's another virus like H1N1, like SARS, you know, whatever, all the other things we've dealt with, avian bird flu. You know, it's just another virus in society. Come on, it's time to get back with life. And at that point. They really put their boot on our necks and started locking us down. They completely flip-flopped on their narrative almost overnight. It was in lockstep global health agencies with our um, agencies and our leaders of our COVID task force. They were all seeing exactly the opposite now in lockstep. So I knew something was really up something very nefarious was behind this. And that's when I started making videos. And that's how I met Kristen. Uh, We were doing interviews and I was listening to, you know, radio programs and I heard her one day and reached out to her and messaged her. And we've just, we've connected and become known as the dynamic duo since.
1: So you did not know each other before all of the craziness with COVID happened.
2: No, we no. did not. No, but we live like 20 minutes from each other. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And that's something with this show we've been mentioning about. And Stephanie and I have both said uh, repeatedly that COVID was the best thing that ever happened to us because we found our people and people of like mind. And that's something I think with this show, we've been um, saying over and over again, you have to find your people. So obviously you found each other.
3: Yeah, that's right. And uh, within only knowing each other for a week, we got together, we met Um, at my dad's uh, conference room at his office downtown um, in the kind of common city we live in, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And we did a video, uh, that first video, uh, and a lot of people remember that, but that was the one that went viral and kind of put us on the map. And we were just doing it off of a phone propped up by a coffee cup. We had a bottle of wine and it was late in the evening. And we were just like, we got to do this to educate people. And then within, I think just a couple of weeks, we were in a car together driving to Texas from Michigan because we couldn't fly. There was mandates everywhere. And so um, that's kind of how our journey began and testifying, in different you know um court cases together legislative bodies senate committee hearings we went to austin texas in i think it was august or maybe october no it was october because today i got a memory that popped up we were in austin texas it was um, october of 2020 at the constitutional rights summit speaking and that's where we let a, a we met a lot of the frontline doctors and you know attorneys. and attorneys yep yeah, people who become our very close friends now, we were all kind of gathering at these events in the very beginning in 2020, all blowing the whistle, saying the same thing from our different perspectives of our different areas of expertise.
0: That's amazing. So you guys were like saving America, cross country driving, not just like sitting behind a computer screen. Right. Right. It put us to shame. And but I, I mean, it's amazing that it started with you did a video with a bottle of wine with your phone.
1: And, yeah. and you're going to Texas to share. And um, it started, did it start with the masking and some of those kinds of things, or there were other things um, that you were sharing and talking about? Because there's a lot of well, stuff that happened yeah. during COVID.
2: Well, for me, I've been in the health freedom movement since 2008. Um, I, I'm i a whistleblower, so I've been in the public eye for about 13 years, and then took a nice little break when the world was not falling apart. But so happened was when I started making videos, I already had the following f- to get the information out. And we started first talking about the shutdowns because when we knew that this thing was airborne, the first thing that you do, we were doing videos on, no, do the complete opposite of what you're being told. You don't stay home. That you That's where you get, it's like intra spread in your home. You need that cross ventilation, natural dilution ventilation by opening your windows. So everything that we would normally do in pandemic response, which by the way, we train in that, it all just went away. So we were basically, every time there was a press conference, at least from our governor, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, we would do a video. Oh, yes. Um, We would do videos to counter everything she said. And we could do that because we are subject matter experts in exposure controls. You know, people don't really understand our profession until things go wrong. And I always say things definitely went wrong. And that's why we were so vocal because we were upholding the ethics and science of our professions.
0: I think what really resonated with me initially is I know, so I have a lot of medical people in my family and one of my sisters could not be medically fitted for a mask. Like she just, she wasn't able to do it. And I knew that that was part of the procedure. And, and like you, I knew that you couldn't just go out and mask everyone, but I didn't know all the science behind it. Like you guys, you guys did. Um, and so I was really impressed when you we were able to come out with that information because what a lot of people were getting on their phone were like doctors, you know, cycling through bicycles with their on, seeing see there's no problem. I'm thinking why on earth does she think it was a female doctor in particular that I'm thinking of? Why does she think that every person is the same and can handle that when clearly we are at all different levels of what can be handled? I mean, I just thought it was the dumbest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I'm thinking, and this is a medical doctor, like, whoever her patients are, I'm sorry, I'm apologizing for her. Because clearly she's not looking at you as an individual at all. If she thinks that just because she can handle something, every single else, every other person in the world can handle something, I just I, I thought it was bizarre that that was happening. I, I was a little. I have to make a confession. Stephanie
1: knows this. I've always been somewhat of a hypochondriac. Like, oh, I have Ebola. I'm going to get Ebola. You know, I was I've been <laughs> worried about that since 1997, but um. Yes. I worked for charity and at the beginning, I thought we're all going to die, you know, and I was out there, I was helping with food assistance because people couldn't work. So the numbers went from a thousand people needing food from a pantry to 4,000 because people were out of work and, you know, having struggling. And I thought we're all going to die. And then I stood there and thinking this doesn't make a lick of sense. Um, you know, I didn't know the numbers. I don't know the science, but just the mask, watching people and myself touching it and touching my face constantly and moving it around and take it didn't seem like it was anything that was, you know, yeah, right, that, like you should be
0: doing. But you obviously had the science to back up what you were saying. So I want to know, you know, when you have a mask on, what exactly happens? Because I can I, uh, you know, in terms of the particles, because I can tell you the people who are showing I run a like an integrative health clinic. And when people show up here, I could tell immediately, um, the only people getting sick initially were those who are wearing masks. I mean, that was the people that were coming in. Um, So I want to know the science behind that.
3: Well, and this is why we stood up, because one of the things we knew very early on was when they took this blanket, one size fits all approach to masking everybody, covering everyone's mouth and nose, restricting their normal natural breath, then expecting them to go about their work, their tasks, their activities. And then we now pulled children into this. That's where we lost our minds. And we felt like we have a sense of responsibility here with the knowledge that we do have in the education and the training we have on this. We have to say something because people are going to die from this. It is going to cause so much serious harm, injury and death that we have a moral obligation to say something. So Kristen and I both can kind of share this topic because there's a lot to this. So first of all, you are exactly right. In the health profession, we never, ever treat everybody as a one-size-fits-all approach because none of us are exactly the same. Our bodies are the same. We have different genetics. We have different age. We have different uh, genetic factors. We have different physiological issues, illnesses, underlying illnesses. So this is why uh, one of the things that really stood out to us in the beginning was taking this blanket one-size-fits-all approach and forcing someone to cover their mouth and nose all day without following OSHA's Respiratory Protection Program is a violation of the law. OSHA based their standards, their PPE and respiratory protection standards on the existing science and data we have going back to the 1950s. These tests have already been done based on other outbreaks of flu and uh, infectious diseases in hospitals and why is there continuing to be spread if everyone's wearing a surgical mask. So this information already exists. So OSHA in 1979 created their PPE and respiratory protection standards that disallow an employer from covering someone's mouth and nose, restricting their normal natural breath, which also affects your cardiopulmonary system because it increases your respirations. When you cover someone's mouth and nose, you increase the respiration, which then taxes the cardiopulmonary system. Some people cannot physically handle that. So there are all of these things that you have to go through if you're going to require someone to cover their mouth and nose in the occupational setting which is really no different. It carries over into the public at large very similarly. So there's a reason we can't do that. We never, ever take a one-size-fits-all approach. It's illegal and it's downright dangerous, and they know it. And we know they know it because we are government-trained officials. We are trained on OSHA's uh, rules and regulations. We are uh, OSHA-qualified and credentialed uh, inspectors and trainers and educators. And so... That's kind of coming at it from the regulatory, the legal aspect right up front that we knew immediately something was wrong. And then I'll let Kristen take it from there and explain a little bit about the metabolic, physiology, uh, physiological, and even neurological damage uh, that happens to the body.
2: Yeah, well, first off, it, I think it's good to lay down the foundation that masks, there's different types of masks. There's your regular filtering face pieces of like kind of the black masks that you see. And then there are surgical masks. And then there's a uh, mask that you can go and buy at Lowe's or Home Depot. All of them are only designed for large droplets of bacteria, spit and sputum, and nuisance dusts. They're never for small particulates or aerosols. And that's because you notice on the mask, if you can visualize, you know, right under the bridge of the nose, you, you that's where the air is coming out. So let's even say that they worked. The aerosols that are how COVID is spread- you go. they go right into the eye. So they were touting wear your mask, but they weren't talking about how you needed ocular protection because that's also how the aerosols are spread. But the reason you said earlier, you may have seen the common factor of people coming in that were ill were those that were militant mask wearers. That is because when you put on a mask and you are not given any guidance on how to use it, that is dangerous because like you said, the moment you touch it, In an occupational setting, you immediately have to remove it and change it out because it's contaminated. And then people were wearing what's that? You're
1: contaminating it with what's on your hands by touching it and you're putting it right on your face, correct?
2: Yes. But also inside of the mask, like Tammy said, you're increasing your respiration rates, which generates heat inside of the mask. So the aerosols can get trapped in some of the moisture. But what happens is then when you cough or sneeze, that trajectory that you once had is now going way farther throughout the sides and the top and through the bottom. But it, it doesn't stop aerosols in the sense that it's acting as PPE or source control. And the harm that you see is when you have that buildup of moisture, it's the perfect breeding ground for bacteria. And that's why you saw the perioral dermatitis that they called mask knee. That's why you see an increase in gum disease and increased caries in the mouth. And then again, with that blockage, that moisture buildup in the mask. Because remember, some people were wearing the same masks for weeks. Oh,
3: oh yeah, you, you, you
2: imp- mean, It's filthy. I mean, you know. Yeah. and you are impeding your proper gaseous exchanges. So when you are naturally talking right now involuntarily, I'm breathing in and I'm breathing out. But when you have those increased respiration rates. And you're, you're getting out of your normal cycle of breathing you don't get the proper air exchange so then you can deal with uh having excess uh, carbon dioxide building up so when you impede that gaseous exchanges your hemoglobin is no longer properly transporting oxygens to key parts of your body your organs your kidneys and then the constant oxygen deprivation from those improper air exchanges are impacting cognitive thought that front part of the frontal lobe and the olfactory area And these are exactly why when we hand out in an occupational setting, this is where Tammy was talking about the regulatory side. Even if an employee wanted to electively wear a mask or say an N95 respirator, they still have to follow what's called Appendix D of that OSHA respiratory protection uh, standard that Tammy was talking about. Did you see any employer provide any training when they mandated masks? Because I didn't at all. And that is because you need to understand the limitations. And if they were following the science of right there on the side of the box, it says it will not protect you from uh, infectious diseases. It doesn't even say aerosols on everyone. It just says infectious diseases because they are not meant for viruses. But this could be a three-hour show explaining the science of how, Because there's so many different types. And the one thing I want to cover before I hand it back to you is, remember, people started making masks, I say, out of gram- grandma's curtains, and they were laundry em. A lot of the laundry detergent and soaps that people use have harmful toxicants in them. And then they were just breathing those in. Then because they were wearing their non-NIOSH, which is a National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, it's an arm of the CDC, they didn't have any breathability rating, And then the fibers were breaking down from the masks that they were wearing for two weeks. And now they're inhaling those fibers in the masks, which actually have volatile organic compounds in them.
0: You know, it's interesting you bring that up. That was one of the first things that really caught my attention. And I actually spoke to school board members about it, go to the school board meetings, because we have a hyperbaric chamber here. And I know going in that chamber, you have to be super careful the detergents that you're wearing on you because of. Things like the fragrances and whatnot that can cause lung cancer, and when you looked, and you know, all of a sudden, some of those studies started kind of being um, hard to find. So uh-huh. I went, I looked at like the Muslim countries or countries that masked a lot, and I looked at China, some of the Asian countries. Now it's hard; they have a higher um, smoking rate, so there are too many confounding issues. But Muslim women, actually, there's a higher rate of lung cancer. And I thought it was like the perfect, perfect population to kind of demonstrate what exactly um, happens when you exactly when you're pulling off grandpa's curtains, and thinking that you're protecting yourself. And that was one of my biggest concerns, because I thought these people, a lot of them are using Tide, which is highly so toxic, it's actually been, I think, um, outlawed in New York now, and maybe another state, just because of the toxicity levels. And yet people were hopefully washing them. But hopefully not washing them and tied, you know, but I, my assumption is at the rate at, you know, the U S is one of the biggest laundry detergents. Most people, most kids are probably getting that and the repercussions of that are going to show up 10, 15, 20 years later, not right now. And so we've done so much damage and people don't even know yet what damage is to come.
2: You're exactly right. My
1: question is right. too early for this, but I have to ask it. Why do you think that we did this? I mean, I have my own thoughts, but you're the experts. Why the science, I mean, what you articulated is so clear and obviously evidence based and uh has been around for years. Why why were they pushing this? And why did maybe they it's coming back? I don't know. We'll hear those rumors.
3: Well, uh, there are a lot of things we could speculate at, but let's talk about what we actually know. So we now know that. Uh, world leaders have been caught on hot mics around the world, uh, from Australia to Canada to Great Britain and everywhere else, uh, talking about how they cannot wait until the final implementation of the Great Reset is completed. Because this has been very difficult for them to get all of us, you know, citizens and all these different countries to kind of get along, you know, go along with the program. And there's been so much pushback. I mean, breathing is our number one, right? I mean, the freedom to just breathe right? We should just be able to breathe. So I think they started with this, you know, restricting our breath, covering our faces. And there was so much pushback that they've had a really hard time. And that's why there's been a lot of these conversations caught on hot mic, caught on tape around the world. And it was part of a a larger control, which we now know this is not conspiracy theory. This is actually a conspiracy against humankind. It's all out there. They're talking about it. It's on the World Economic Forum website, the plan for all of us. And this was just the beginning of implementing those initial control measures to control us. And it was the first step in taking away our medical health freedom and choices. If they can get us all to do this. And I was warning from stage when I was speaking on stage, even in 2020 guys, this is not just a mask. This is a control measure. If you go along with this, it will be very easy for you to control them with the next thing. And what was that? I predicted a mandated vaccine. And what happened? Nine months later, vaccine rollouts. Everybody's got to get them. You're getting, people are getting fired if they don't get them. Kids can't go to school. I mean, all this crazy stuff. So that's why we can look at it. We can connect the dots. It's not conspiracy. These are not wild assumptions. This is fact. And that's why they're going to try to bring it back. Now, Kristen and I were just talking with Tucker Carlson a couple of weeks ago here in Michigan. And uh, he actually told us, he said, "I, I don't think they're going to be able to bring it back. He said, I think they're going to have a real hard time because we actually provided our written briefs in the United States Supreme Court and helped to stop the Biden administration and OSHA. We defeated that permanent mandate that they tried to put in place. Had we not won that case, I think it would be much easier for them to bring this back. But you heard within a day or two of the TSA uh, whistleblower who leaked that memo coming from the Biden administration that they want to put masks into place. Right. Uh, Even in September into mid-October, back in the airlines, we saw a thousand pilots lined up around LAX airport shoulder to shoulder, all holding up their signs that said ready to walk. I don't think they're going to be able to do it as easily as they think they're going to be able to this time.
1: And I, you know, it's interesting you say that. I said, um, someone said to me with my work um, when this all happened, is this a hill you're willing to die on? And I said, yes, it is, because if the government can tell you what to do with your own face, your own breath and your own bloodstream, they can tell you what to do. Anything, anything is uh, available. So it's 100%. yes, people are and I'm hoping more people, a hill we were willing to die
3: on because it is it's that yeah. crucial. So- and Kristen and I made it about that. We said the same thing. This is the hill we are willing to die on because we know what is at stake here. If we lose this, we lose everything else. We lose all of our health freedom choices, medical choices, our ability to decide for ourselves, our families, and our children what is best. If we lose this mask fight, we lose all the rest of it. Yeah, I agree. 100%. I just want
0: to point out, now you guys have done way more than I have, but I want to point out that I did drive cross country by myself from Pennsylvania Pennsylvania to to Utah and Nevada she because did. I was not going to put on a mask to get on those stupid flights. I was texting her like have you made it to Illinois
1: yet? And she's like <laughs> I'm on the mountains. So she I can attest to her doing that. Yeah. So that can you was, imagine if
2: know. more people had done that because right. I think we drove I mean we drove all over. I think just Texas like 3 or 4 times, but um you know and I had friends that are no longer friends at uh, their choice. That would just say, first of all, I'm one of those people that medically can't tolerate one. I've had an exemption before it was a thing back in 2012. Um, But some people are like, just put it on for a second to go in this restaurant. And I'm like, no, I am not. One, medically, I can't. And two, I am not going to fall in line with something that I know not only does it not work, but it creates the greater hazard. And if more people had stood up and done that, like I always say, we outnumber the sociopaths and collectively and peacefully, you can administratively stop these things. It's just people just were, sh- it's a shut up in color and it became a scarlet letter. If you wore, um, it's like what they did in healthcare years ago. If you didn't get your flu shot, they'd make you wear a mask. Yeah. It's such- and Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. We have to stop allowing we can't bend the knee to things that we know are inherently wrong morally, constitutionally, and uh, defies our natural rights and science.
0: Yeah. And let's come back to that after let's come back to that after break. I want to talk about our constitutional rights. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We must all do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcast and video so we can help secure America's future.
4: This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced. These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient.
5: out loud. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Co-Fix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? CoFix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. CoFix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution. And now we have a throat spray too. Don't forget, how Loud 25 at checkout.
3: For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally.
5: The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. Americaoutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all america out loud talk what
0: do you think so You just talked about one legal case that you had upholding our constitutional rights. Are there any other cases you guys have been involved with that are are big and that really people need to know about so that if anything like this happens again, they can grab that information as their evidence whenever they are trying to navigate this, this world of the reset. Can can I add something to that?
1: Um, Stephanie, things that you've been part of or see things that you see on the, you know, coming in the future that we should be aware of. So either things in the past or things ahead that we should be um, looking out for.
2: Well, when it comes to the court cases, we've done so many, I'm like trying to think for a moment, ones that are very public. And the reason I say that is because sometimes they were settled And that information is not public, but I would say also we have a colleague, his name is Stephen Petty. He has been on, um, outside of our work with the SCOTUS case, Stephen Petty has case precedence with uh, schools. So if your school is trying to mask, look up Stephen Petty, it's S T E P H E N P E T T Y. And he also has an amazing podcast called Petty Podcasts, where he has really good information. On, more of his videos are on Rumble, um, and they're very short 12-minute videos. But I mean, we're talking about cases where, I mean, I've done workers' comp cases for my in my 21-year career, but I did not ever expect that I would be an expert witness in a custody case. I had a case where um, there was, I had to be vague, but there was a, a serious medical reason in which the minor child- Wearing an N95 respirator, one that is not approved for children, would further exacerbate this person's issue that they were on a donor list for. And one parent wanted them to sleep in the N95, and the other parent was like, no. Wanted the child to sleep in the mask? And wear it all the time. Yeah. So N95s are respirators. And they day,
1: seven days a week, wear the yes. mask.
2: They wanted them to wear the N95 respirator, uh, which, by the way, requires medical clearance, fit test, a whole bunch of things. Um, so that one ended up siding with not, not, uh, wearing the respirator because I was able to find a specialty person. Um, I'm just trying to be vague. Cause if I said, and you know, I'm trying to preserve this person's identity in case this one shouldn't be looked up, but because it's a minor, but the parent that had the wherewithal to understand the science one, and, uh, you know, we actually promoted engineering controls for that situation. But there's a whole bunch of court cases. Um, but one court case that is not related to masks that we are a part of, which is very big, is we are both listed as expert witnesses in waiting um, because we the patriotsusa.org sued the federal. And state EPA of Ohio, along with Governor DeWine, due to the fact that they improperly responded to the train derailment from Norfolk Southern, including utilizing the wrong equipment to test. So that's a whole nother fight that we're in. Um, But that's the next big case uh, that we're working with a government accountability group also, um, because this is the people of East Palestine are not getting any better. They're getting worse.
1: Yeah, you mean in terms of health conditions and so forth?
3: Yes, no, it's getting much worse there, which we knew was going to happen with prolonged exposure to the dioxins and um, the other chemical combinations that they have been exposed to. What's that?
0: The plasticizers as they break down and they burn. I, you know, I have a we have a someone out of, a supplier out of China. My husband's in the flooring industry, and a chi- one of the Chinese people sent over something years ago, just talking about how toxic that stuff is. All the vinyl floor chloroflu- uh, vinyl flooring is for people and that within 10 minutes of breathing that in of it being heated up gives you lung cancer essentially because of all those yeah. chemicals and so that chemical I'd love to hear more about the the train derailment because the way they handled that I was shocked i mean absolutely shocked because if someone like me understands what is happening i how does a government screw it up so
3: badly well, it was intentional. You, you were, They tested for what they wanted to find, which meant they used the improper testing medium, and they tested using the wrong testing metho- methodology. So that's how they were able to say, see, everything's fine here, folks. And so that, I mean, that was absolutely criminal. It's mass criminal negligence. And so now we know from having our friends, our colleagues on the ground there doing proper sampling, we now know the numbers. And the EPA is very nervous about this case. I can tell you that. So it's one to watch.
1: Do you think it's a combination? And I know, I mean, I, I, so many things I think are intentional. And then some things I think are just stupidity. And, um, you know, what's, what's the combination of they or just incompetence, I should say. So do you think it's both things at play or more intentional that, you know, what's the like 60, 40, 50, 50? Uh, what's your opinion?
2: I I think it's I I think it's 50-50 without having I still don't have access to their after-action report. What happens is just like we saw throughout the I have to call it the scamdemic because of how we responded, but you have experts, but they're just not the right experts. And when you're dealing with hazardous materials, Um, I did this for nine years on active duty in the air force when we deal with this type of issue. And I, by the way, a side note, I manage the response and decontamination aspect. If trains derailed in the city of Chicago, um, when I work for the federal government, so there are protocols to follow the incident command should have made decisions. I believe the fire chief came out later and said, nobody listened to him. So that's where you have a break in command because the fire chief is the owner of the incident command And it seems like there's a lot of nefarious issues. And even the contractors that were hired by Norfolk Southern, they do not have the best reputation. And I can say that boldly, and I don't care if they're watching. They have a lot of issues. I have colleagues that used to work for them. They like to protect their large clients rather than the little guys. So it did not shock me to see that they were doing what is called passive air sampling. like Just think of like a grab sample instead of active air sampling, which is... Sampling for an eight-hour time-weighted average, um, which is required. Um, They would just walk into people's home and sniff. Uh, That's not okay. they are cleanup procedures that they're doing. They say they won't clean up anything that requires opening a door or drawer. But when you're dealing with the type of toxicants, which is different than toxins, the type of toxicants that were the byproduct of this burn, once it went in through the HVAC system, which was a recommendation from my husband to test those. He does what we do. Um, to go in, test the HVAC to show what was in the home. Now, if it's going through the HVAC handler, it's going to be in drawers, it's going to be on the walls, it's going to be in the curtains. So don't make a mask out of those ones. <laughs>
1: um, but thank you, we were we were thinking about it. So thank you for helping us and guiding us in that regard.
2: But I always say when you're dealing with this type of toxicants in a hazardous material incident, you treat it as every surface is covered in blood. So people weren't even told like, oh, when you're playing in your yard or walking in your yard, don't wear your shoes inside. So we had another issue just about a month ago, and I believe it was in our state of Michigan where there was another hazardous material spill. How our EPA handled it, they told people, don't mow your lawns. You're going to put it back in the breathing zone. Don't wear your shoes in your home. Leave them outside. Like they were doing the proper messaging, which I was surprised because the EPA is, well, that's another show. but. (laughs) um so it kind of it it really shows it really shows how these people did it right and these people did incorrect incorrectly and uh, what the Government Accountability Group is doing, along with our colleague on the ground, Scott Smith, people that have been paying attention to East Palestine know who Scott Smith is. He's doing a lot of the sampling. They found out that they didn't even confer with their their specialist, who is an expert in dealing with dioxin exposures. They didn't even involve that uh, scientist until a month in. Wow.
1: How, how many yes. people are affected in that community? Do you have any idea or, you know, adversely affected?
2: um i don't know Tammy. what would you say i don't remember Um, i remember it's it's like i would say at least thousands
0: yeah Yeah. thousands do you i i've heard some for better word and this is gonna be an air quotes conspiracy theorists talk about the increase of derailments and you know um with hazardous materials have you guys or are you aware of an increase or is that simply a
3: conspiracy a true conspiracy theory Kristen, I'm going to let you talk about this because my landscape guy just showed up and it's getting loud outside. So I'm going to mute myself and (laughs) let you talk about
2: it. Hopefully he's not uh, re-aerosizing any contaminants. (laughs) Um, So, you know, Tammy and I have talked about this quite a bit. I will say... Uh, I know to treading lightly saying not everything is a conspiracy, but then again, nothing would surprise me. We have seen an increase in derailments. I've seen the narrative say it's always been this way, but with social media, we're hearing about it more. No, I'm part of the email group that when there's any sort of hazardous material incident, I'm part of an email chain where it's, it's known because sometimes they'll call in contractors as ad hoc professionals to go respond. And so I definitely saw an increase and- To say, is it purposeful? I do not know. But I also think that we've spent so much money in our country sending it to Ukraine, sending it elsewhere. And our infrastructure has been failing our bridges, our railroads, our water systems. Look at Flint, Michigan. I mean, we have got to really, you know, like you fly, put no pun intended, but they say, put your breathing mask on before you help someone else. Like we need to, I would say it is on purpose because it was negligence by uh and i know a lot of people wanted to make that political they're like well trump reeled back on these regulations and biden did this i don't care who did what the point is is that we have things called non-destructive inspectors who specialize on cyclical cycling to go inspect the integrity of the metals of bridges and railroads and i have seen lots of information where things weren't getting done or they were a year or two late so to say, was it purposely done to create harm on the people? I don't know. But when you, when you willfully neglect to inspect the integrity of these rail systems, it is purposeful, but maybe not for the same reasons that some people going down the rabbit hole think. But I often wonder when you look at what is happening, could this be a form of a land grab? So I know if Tammy was speaking, she would say that because she's brought that up. You know, I mean, there's a lot of resources in East Palestine, Ohio, and that was very concerning.
0: Yeah,
3: I'm, I've i heard of myself for a minute. <laughs> and,
0: um, you know, in the same thing, I'm hearing a lot of lamb grab stuff with Maui, what's going on Maui over fires, there. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I think you're right. I think it's a very balanced view in that, yes. you know, there's definitely something wrong when we're not inspecting and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's a very, you know, just a balanced viewpoint compared to some of the other ones that I've heard. Well, I, I agree. And that's why we were sitting here as you were talking about East Palestine. And my mind
1: immediately went to Maui and things I've been reading there. And, you know, I think as a person, I mean, as a normal person, you don't want it to be like you're this not an intentional. Well, no, I know. But <laughs> I mean, a reasonable person, you think, oh, I don't want this to be intentional. I don't want to be, you know, going to extremes. I want to look at it logically. But um, it does seem to be um, very coincidental and just a lot of things that don't add up.
3: Well, it's the emergency response that is a red flag to us because we have worked in the fields of emergency response. We actually are trainers in that field. We train emergency response, uh, pandemic response, all of that. So even when you do have a failure, whether it was intentional or it was just negligence, like Kristen said, because they're not doing proper inspections and maintenance and things like that, then when you see the government's response on top of it, which is completely the opposite of what it should be. And we know because we have trained for these things, like Kristen said, tabletop exercises and you know, all of the response and the leading the charge as train, the trainers out there on the forefront, with government agencies, with local communities, with, you know, joint task forces between emergency response teams like fire and police, um, the hazwop We teach HAZWAP, which is hazardous waste operations and emergency response. So then when you see something happen and the emergency response is completely the opposite of what we train for, which only makes it worse, that is very telling to us that something nefarious is going on here. It can't just be all negligence
1: as you've been sharing this and on the forefront of you know, but starting with the covid, the masking and now all these other situations, are are you experiencing pushback and, you know personally, professionally, and I and what kinds of things are you experiencing uh, in in the in the real world?
2: Oh, most okay. definitely.
1: Where do we uh, begin?
2: Ah, uh, so I have to be vague about this also because it's a lawsuit I filed against a certain. Rag piece that's like the National Enquirer, but they're called something else. They decided to write uh, an article about me and say that I stoked the fourth wave in my state, and I have thick skin. Like I said, I've been in the public eye since for 13 years now, so I'm used to this. But what I wasn't used to was seeing one of my professional organizations give a comment that 99 percent of my profession disagreed with me, which was a lie because that professional organization has a has a chat on their website and almost all the industrial hygienists were like, why are they pushing masking? We need engineering controls, dilution, destruction, ventilation, filtration. So I had to take legal action against three parties. And all I can really tell you about this is that it put so much harm on my reputation. I went for a while where no attorney wanted to bring me on as an expert witness, because this is the first thing that the opposing side brought up, even though it should have been known that this one website was not reliable. But you know, well, the matter has in, been settled. <laughs> That's all I can say. North
3: Dakota. When we were speaking in North Dakota, when Kristen was talking in North Dakota, all these legislators were passing around that article. Oh. So it, it hindered her professional testimony in a Senate committee hearing. Wow. wow. Yeah. And the
2: worst part was trying to defend the aspect. I mean, most people knew, hey, this is a leftist uh, I'm I'm someone in the middle, but this was a leftist website, but it was the professional organization leader that's that statement is what was so hard to get from underneath. But then I had my colleagues like Stephen Petty, who's like the goat in our profession called this person out in public and in email. And I have the receipts and I use those. Um, There was no survey across our field and any ethical industrial hygienist that doesn't work for the government because they can't speak freely knew that this violates everything in our profession. I mean, even industrial hygiene technicians know that masks don't work for aerosolized viruses, nor do N95 respirators for the size, the micron size of this hazard. So that was just one issue. But yes, I've had death threats. I've had hit pieces. I've had my husband uh, was just appointed as our county health director. So of course they went through me to attack him because he doesn't have social media. But the problem is we've even had OSHA come after us. Tammy, do you want to explain that one? Yeah.
3: yeah so um, I, you know, personally, I have had my bank accounts frozen all just out of the blue. Like all of a sudden my husband calls me panicking. Like what what's going on with the bank account? We have no idea. But the uh, Michigan State Department of Treasury just froze our assets, all of our accounts. I have had tax liens slapped on my properties. I have multiple properties for taxes I don't owe. I have had to spend a lot of money to realize operation retaliation is a real thing and get professional accountants and attorneys involved um, to, to stop that. And then we both received a letter on the same day from OSHA uh, just from, you know, the director of one of the local regional educational facilities, basically threatening us. And it, it wasn't even a a demand letter from an attorney. It was just a, you know, what what was it a strong, I highly recommend you, yeah. you stop. Uh, claiming that you are OSHA certified, which we never claim, we are OSHA credentialed. And OSHA is really funny about their language and their terms. Uh, They get really hung up on semantics. And somebody, we went and we did a, um, not that long ago, just in May, we were asked to come through Uh, Vermont stands up, which is a grassroots organization there, and the children's health defense groups joined forces and asked us to come and testify and do a presentation for those groups because their children in Vermont, as of this past May, were still in masks. And it was their special needs population of all things that was. So they advertised this event as come and hear these OSHA certified ladies. Well, OSHA watches everything we do and everything we say. And so they grabbed onto that and they sent us these you know, kind of, it was not a formal cease and desist letter, but it was basically, we're strongly advising you that you had better stop claiming this term. And so we were so offended by that because we're like, we are authorized. and Don't demote us. We're
2: way beyond working for OSHA. (laughs)
3: OSHA, but We don't work for you. We work in the private industry. How dare you tell us what we can do and what we can't say? So we were like, that's it. We went on and did some lives and we're like, we're going to lawyer up because they don't get to do that to us. They're watching us, but we are private citizens. We do not work for them. They cannot tell us what we can and can't say. And even if they don't like us using certain terms, we know the terms that they like. And that's the terminology we use, but we can't control what other people say. So, I mean, it's just nuts. The things that we have been through are, it's just absolutely insane. Yeah. And yeah. people will refer to us as OSHA ladies.
2: And that's because yeah. when people think about occupational safety and health, they think OSHA, but it's not a, just a government agency. We're occupational environmental health and safety professionals. And it's semantics. You know, if you have an environmental person, they might be like the EPA person, but we well, would we're never.
3: credential. That's why. Yeah. We're
2: always... And I I have a whole bindle. of binder full of things that say certified in, and it's stamped by the OSHA training center. So they're just upset that we're calling out the revisionism, but you know, what's that saying FAFO? So, I mean, come at us because we're not the
3: ones to mess with. (laughs) They just don't like it that we have called them out publicly. We're exposing their revisionism for how guilty they are of revisionism. We've called out several of their directors for some of the papers that they've written that point to the lack of efficacy and efficiency with masks as a control measure. We've gone on Dell, Big Trees, the high wire, to expose that. Then recently we stopped them in the Supreme Court. So they just don't like us because we're just exposing them basically.
0: And I, and I hear the attorney general is pretty much stalking you guys for the
3: last Three, three years. Am I right? Absolutely. Well, we've, been, we've been stalking him. Yeah. yeah. But he's been, he's oh, it's Just stalking. It's, this story, this story has been interesting. So on social media, we have been tagging him in everything we say. Okay. I, I guess if you call that stalking, <laughs> we call it tagging, social media tagging, but we've been tagging him in all of our posts. Because he's been the number one person behind Anthony Fauci pushing masks and N95s as, you know, one size fits all. So everything that we've posted and we've done that shared the science of engineering controls and all that, we've tagged him. And then he argues with us, he blocks us, and then he'll come back and unblock us. And then he'll interact with us some more. Uh, Very toxic relationship.
1: <laughs> could you invite him maybe to have a glass of iced tea in East Palestine, uh, Ohio there? Maybe you could all meet sure. together.
3: Well, yeah,
0: absolutely, yes. local herbs that people have <laughs> yeah. grown and
2: see how much yes. he enjoys it. <laughs> I'd love to see. Well, so it. What, what what he it. just recently did was look. Tammy just told you we've been educating him, educating him, educating him because we don't just say masks don't work; we provide the solutions. Okay, through engineering controls. So then I called Tammy and I could barely speak. I can't use the language here, but I was like, this guy is writing a book and it had a whole post about why did we not focus on ventilation. This is a missed opportunity. I mean it's this long uh, tweet or X, whatever you want to call it, and I lost it. I thought, are you kidding me? You are literally taking what we've told you over three years. you've attacked us for it, unblocked, reblocked us. So now you wrote a book about it. So I hope you gave me a forward in there or cited us <laughs> because it is ridiculous how he's now pretending he's, a what did you call him, Tammy? He's, he's,
3: He's such a charlatan. And now he's acting like the victim and now he's some sort of pandemic savior and he's going to provide all the solutions. And we're like, what the heck is going on with this guy? I mean, he's such a fraud. And now he's profiting off of everything he demonized us for saying and all the information we gave him, showing him this is the government protocol right here. And now he's acting like, I'm so disappointed in our government for not following protocols. We could have, you know, so many lives would have been saved had we done it. And I'm thinking, dude, you are the main person in this country who pushed these very irresponsible, dangerous protocols. Now you're going to turn around with all the information we provided and profit off of a book. You've compiled all that information and you've written a book like Kristen and I said, we better get some royalties and some mentions in the forward because exactly. this is insane. I mean, this is absolutely fraudulent and insane.
0: I love how the government that the flip-flopping this whole time and you know it was like oh masks aren't going to aren't going to work and then like you said maybe 3 weeks to a month later oh masks are the solution it was like that every single time and I never understood why the average person wasn't like wait a second that's not what yeah. you said here like what happens psychologically to prevent people from seeing the flip-flop that made no sense and didn't it go from masks and then a double mask
3: Mass, yeah, yeah. Mass, and mass and mass and double mass, and people don't real. It's hey, like, hey, hey, shield. and I think he did, yes. say, he
1: did say at one point, maybe we should wear goggles, but that just never caught on.
3: I know. I know, and and I just wonder, like, why can people not realize the level of gaslighting? Like, these government officials are professional gaslighters, yes. and it's like people aren't picking up on that. Like, what Jerome Adams is doing to us right now a hundred percent gaslighting. He actually came back on a tweet. I told Kristen after she called him out before he blocked her again, he actually Mm -hmm. came out and said, okay, great. So you've been saying this all along and I'm saying this now. So we're all on the same page, right? With a little thumbs up. And And I was like, no, (laughs) no, we're not even close to on the same page or the same team. You are gaslighting us and we're not going to get away with it. I just want to
2: point out, and we are receptive to people who now see the light. Like I always reference. Uh, Dr. Kevin Bass, he's a PhD and he's a he's a med student. Um, he had a quack watch. I was on his website. He was so pro all the things that he's now against, but he was very humble about it. And he said, "I was misled and I did the research." I mean, that is someone I can welcome to our side with open arms because he didn't deny what he used to do. So that's the difference, you know. Dr. Adams could have messaged me and said, "Hey, like." I'm trying to be honest here now that I'm no longer the surgeon general. Like he didn't do that. He just stole our talking points. I mean, almost down to the wording. That's why it was so infuriating. And I actually got deplatformed for even saying that masks don't work and we need engineering controls. So that was on Facebook. I have a new one, but I mean, the point is I was saying it and it's not like it was our ideas. We were just following the science that we were taught. And we've been implementing in, in real world scenarios for a combined over 40 years.
1: I think that was my greatest kind of thing through all of this, that people just fell in line behind it. And it gives me it makes me very concerned for the future, you know, without any thought or logic behind it, whether it be friends, I lost a lot of friends through it, and whether it be professionals and so forth. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear you saying that people are you know, that this person came and said, I was wrong. I'm humble about it, because that's what we really need or this, you know, continues, and it's just the next thing. And so that's really what we need. Well, there
3: have been quite a few, like, look at Dr. Drew. He's all over the place now. You know, I mean, everybody knows him. He's one of like America's doctors, right? And he's really changed his tune.
0: And we and we all make mistakes, right? Like, we only have the information that we have at the time to go on. So it's, you know, anyone can make a mistake. I know I've made mistakes. Yes. Well, of course. Own up to them, right? Because right. that's how you kind of forgive yourself and let others forgive you is by owning up to those
3: mistakes. So, uh, well, that's the whole reason that Kristen and I do what we do to educate people on the things that they're very ignorant about. How can we expect people to know what we know? We've trained for many years, like Kristen said, a combined over 40 years in our fields. And it's a very small, relatively unknown field. So we can't expect that people just naturally know this. So when we're educating people, it's to open their eyes. It's to give them the facts so that they can make informed decisions. And so, of course, a lot of people are going to go, wow, I didn't know that. And then we welcome them with open arms, like, good, glad you know now. we didn't have to do this, but, you know, protect your children, protect your babies, protect your own health. Here's the information you need to do that. So, yeah, there's been a lot of people that have come around and, you know, none of us know everything about everything. That's just the way it is. So people like Dr. Jerome Adams really drive us crazy because you demonize us, you gaslight us, then you go make money off of the things we told you after you demonized us and now are gaslighting us over. Like that's a whole whole different ballgame.
0: Thank you for what you're doing. Well, we've got to wrap it up here. You girls are absolutely amazing. We appreciate all the work you've put into Saving America. You know, we can't all be Kristen and Tammy, but we can certainly use their data to inform, educate, and live freely. So wherever you are, whatever you can do today, stand up, step forward, and speak out.